Church on the Move, the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 13. Invite you to study along with us. If you're watching us online, God bless you. Thank you for tuning us in on the various social media platforms we have, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And thank you guys for being here on a spring break Sunday. I know a lot of people travel on spring break, but we're glad that you are here to worship the Lord with us. My name is Danny Forshe, pastor here at Great Hills. And if you're a guest, we especially welcome you. We know every Sunday God brings us many uh, first-time guests. And you should have received a, a bulletin that looks a little bit like this when you came in. If you would, take a moment and uh, look over this bulletin. It's got lots of good information about our church in there. But also, there's a little registration card. We would love for you to take it, fill it out. And uh, preeminently, we would like for you to take it and bring it with you to the Welcome Center because I would like to meet. Now, if you're online, you can't do this. Sorry, you can't fill this out online. But if you're here today, you can. We'd love to meet you out here in the Welcome Center. And I'll give you one of the books that I've written as an, in exchange for your registration. Would love to meet you. Sweet. Wow. Acts chapter 2. <laughs> Can a Baptist preach on Pentecost? That is, I guess, a question. I hope he can. He should. There is a um, story about a pastor who was meeting with some of his people one Sunday, and, and uh, one of the men in the church came up to him and said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Pray for my hearing. And that's all the pastor heard. He got so excited, he literally went up to this gentleman and very demonstratively put his hands over the man's ears. And he just went something like, pop, like that. And the guy was kind of startled, and he said, uh, how's your hearing now? He said, oh, he said, Pastor, my hearing is fine. I was asking you to pray for my court hearing that is coming up here in, in a few days. So the pastor was confused, and he, and he misunderstood. When, when, when I come to Acts chapter 2, I read a lot of confusion. I read a lot of misunderstanding of what this text says and what it does not say, but today, uh, oh, Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us what you are, what you want us to hear, what you want us to know in Acts chapter 2. There's so much supernatural phenomenon going on in Acts chapter 2. The sound was so loud. It was like the sound of a, of a mighty rushing wind. And these cloven tongues of fire were resting upon the heads of each one of the 120 gathered in the upper room there. In Jerusalem. And then, if that's not enough supernatural power and entities, the 120 began to speak. Dialecto, the Greek says, they began to speak the wonderful works of God and in the languages of the people from all over the world. And so there was a miracle in the speaking, there was a miracle in the hearing, there was this miraculous cloven tongues of fire, there's this mighty rushing wind. Wouldn't you love to have been there? And I hope one day, and God has this massive DVD recording of Acts chapter 2, and I want to I see it and experience it just like they did in the early church. Well, we're so glad that you're here. We're in Acts chapter 2. We've been studying now for a few weeks the Acts of the Apostles. You could also call this book, these 28 chapters, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Many people believe that Acts chapter 2 is the very inception, the genesis the beginning of what we know as the ecclesia, of the church. Jesus said in Matthew 18, he said, this is, you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build 
my church. And so I think there's an argument to be made that Jesus and the 12, they have started this movement, this living uh, organism called the church. But then there's a real uh, insight, I think, in saying that the church was birthed. It was born that day on Pentecost and the Holy Spirit of God descends. As I read uh, Acts chapter 1 and 2 and these foundational passages of Scripture, it's so important that we really grasp uh, what is happening here in in this first movement of God known as the early church. The one writer I I came across, he did a really good juxtaposition. He compares chapters 1 and 2, and as as he writes about the two chapters, it really helps us set the stage for what we're about to experience today. For example, he says, yes, the church is born. In chapter one, the disciples were to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. In chapter two, he comes. In chapter one, the disciples were equipped. In chapter two, they are empowered. In chapter one, they're held back. Remember in the prayer meeting, he says, wait, pray, 10 days, they're held back. But in chapter two, they are sent forth. In chapter one, the Savior ascends. And in chapter two, the Spirit, what? He descends. So we're going to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and we're going to share this message that God has so put on my heart. I was thinking this week, and I was praying with some guys right before the service, and I was thinking, you know, I've preached the book of Acts one time in my life many years ago, and now I'm preaching through it again, and it's like I'm it's like I'm learning so much. I, I, I'm, every time I study God's Word, I'm, I read it and, I'm, and I learn more and I can't wait to share and to preach to you what God has put on my heart. And I thought, you know, yeah, I've studied hard for this passage of Scripture and, you know, in this week and I've been studying and it's like the Holy Spirit reminded me, no, you have not been studying for a week for this sermon. This sermon's been coming for 37 years. That's how long I've been preaching. I'm 54 years of age. I started preaching when I was uh, 17 years of age. And that is a long time to be preaching the, the Bible. And so what I bring to you today is my life. I bring to you all my experiences, all my education, all, the, all that God has poured into me. I'm going to share it with you today. And as I say that, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that I have, not arri- I have arrived or I've learned everything that God would want me. I'm telling you what, the more I live and the more I study God's Word, the more I realize how far I've yet to go, how, more I've got, how much more I've got to learn. And so I just want you to know, in case you were wondering, this preacher is in process. I have not arrived, I will not arrive until I go to be with God in heaven. And so if you're looking for a perfect pastor, I'm so sorry, you have really landed at the wrong church, okay? Because this pastor has not arrived. I am learning, I'm in process, but I do bring to you 37 years of study and preaching and education and all those things. And I, I hope by God's grace, I can do justice to this phenomenal passage of scripture. So let's read it. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, in one place. And suddenly, here he comes, there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, 
the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed. They were amazed. The title of our sermon today is The Church That Amazes. They were all amazed and they marveled and they said to one another, look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya joining serene visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. That's what proselyte means, convert to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs or Arabia. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, in our own languages, in our own dialects. They are speaking to us. Now watch this, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed. Again, the title of the sermon is The Church that amazes. They were all amazed and perplexed. And they said to one another, whatever could this mean? Others, ukluazo is the Greek word there, and it means to poke out your lip. It means to jeer. It means to deride. And it really means to make fun of, all right? Others mocked them, and they said, they are full of new wine. Oh, Spirit of God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you to speak to us as we stand before you today with an open heart and open mind, a word of God ready to be received from you. Lord, speak to us. Lord, we need you. Every person in this room, God, we need to know more about you, but we also need to be changed, God, by you. I pray that these next minutes, Lord, is not just a theological exercise and an academic understanding and exegesis of a text. Lord, I pray that far more happens. And God, you would so speak to us, Lord, that it moves out of our minds and it moves into the very core of our being so that our lives are changed by the Spirit of God, so that we're conformed more into the image of Christ, so that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is operative and manifested in us, so that, God, we begin to look more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ, who was led and, 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 and guided by you, this Holy Spirit that we're talking about today, that we're preaching about. Lord, speak to us. Lord, none of us have arrived. Lord, none of us have all the answers, but God, you do. And we, I'm just praying, God, for wisdom. I'm praying for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm also praying, God, that you would help me recall and remember what you have revealed to me and what you would have me share with the people not only gathered here at 10,500 Jollyville Road, but God, those many of those hundreds of people today who have decided to tune in and to listen to what we're gonna be saying and what we're gonna be preaching about. So Lord, who, who can do this? Lord, I know I cannot, and so I'm depending on you. Humbly, Lord, just asking you to fill us, to speak to us, God, to change us. We need you, Lord, we love you, Lord. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. The church that amazes. In verses 7 and 12, the people that are gathered together there in Jerusalem, they are seeing some things. They're hearing some things. They're experiencing some things that cannot be explained 
in the natural human realm. They are, they are hearing this, they are seeing this, and then there's these people are speaking these languages and, and it's obvious that something far more than what mere mortals can conjure up. It's far more than what a human being can manufacture. The, the people there gathered at, at Pentecost that day are saying, what is happening here? And the people literally are astounded, they're amazed, and they are in awe. So much so that fast forward in a, in a few weeks, we'll look at verse 41, when Peter stands up to preach the word of God. And in verse 11, the Bible says, all of these amazing things are happening, and then the people go out and they speak, speak the wonderful works of God. And there's miraculous things happening. They are even either speaking in those other languages, or those people are hearing them miraculously in their language. I, I don't know if the miracle is in speaking or the miracle is in hearing. I just know it's a miracle. And what I do also know is Peter stands up and he preaches the Word of God. And when Peter preaches after the Holy Spirit of God has fallen on them, after the early church has gone out and just spoke the wonderful works of God, the man of God stands up and he preaches and shazam! 3,000 people are saved, born again, and baptized, and the early church begins to explode. I don't think this is just an experience that we to look at in history and say, oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. Now, some of these things are phenomenal, and some of these things happen uniquely. I know Jesus, His advent was unique, never to be repeated, right? This is the Holy Spirit's advent. This is His coming, okay? He, is, he has come now, and everything now changes. That small band of struggling 120 people there in Jerusalem, they are energized, they are motivated. They are gifted and they go out and they speak the wonderful works of God. It's an amazing church that we're studying. Remember years ago, Billy Graham was preaching in the former Soviet Union. And Billy Graham, wherever he went, he always did the same thing. He always had a, a Bible in his hand. He had a word from God and he had this anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when he preached, I really believe Billy Graham could read a church budget, give the invitation, and people would be saved. I really believe that. I believe he had that kind of gifting, that kind of anointing. Billy Graham was preaching his heart out. People were hearing the gospel in the former Soviet Union, and the Russian people were just like, what is this? And they were just amazed and mesmerized and Spirit of God was doing great work. But in America, he was being criticized. And the people in America, was, they, they wrote to Billy Graham and they said, how dare you get up there and, and preach so forcefully and so powerfully the, the Bible. And if you keep talking like that, you're going to take the church back 50 years. And Billy Graham, in the way that he could and the wisdom that he exerted, he said, oh, friends, he said, I don't want to take the church back 50 years. I want to take the church back 2,000 years. Back to where it all began, when there was a prayer meeting, and there was anointing, the filling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it so changed the people that they went out unashamed, no longer in trepidation and fear, right? They are out among the people, and they're preaching and teaching, and God is working. And I think everybody des desires and... <laughs> 
and I almost used the word deserves. I think I will use that word. I think everybody desires and deserves to be a part of a church that, that is amazing. But what constitutes an amazing church? Well, there are three things. I think, first of all, there has to be the, the supernatural. There has to be things that can only be attributed to the power and the intervention of God. Secondly, the Holy Spirit has to be real and prominent and powerful and anointing. The Holy Spirit has to be palpable. The Holy Spirit has to be invited and welcomed in. And the Holy Spirit has to be moving upon this church that is amazing. And then thirdly, I think a church that is genuinely amazing, according to Acts chapter 2, is where all the people speak. They all speak. Now, I know Peter is the one speaking publicly and pronouncing the gospel, but preceding the preaching of Peter would be verse 11, where all the people are out gossiping the gospel. They're sharing the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come, come be a part of this mighty movement of God. Our preacher's about to stand up and, and, and Peter's gonna preach and you need to hear what he has to say. And man, does he bring it. He brings the word of God. You've heard Peter's powerful, potent, Pentecostal sermon, and he preaches it, and all of these people get saved, and I mean, the church is just launched. It's beautiful. So how can we, what can we learn? So number one is the supernatural, and I'm just going to walk you through, excuse me, these verses. Verse one says, the day of Pentecost had fully come. There are seven festivals in Judaism. Three of them are holy feasts whereby the people come from all over the world. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Those are the big three, if you will. And the people would come from, the Jews would come from all over the known world, and they were there that day. And Luke makes sure you and I understand when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Pentecost means 50. It's the Feast of Weeks. Yes, there's a celebration of the, of the harvest in the Old Testament, but here... It always followed 50 days after Passover. So the people come and they've experienced this Passover celebration where they commemorate and look back on the Egyptian bondage and the death angel comes over Egypt and, and, the, and the angel passes over those people who had the blood over the, the doorpost and, and over the homes there. And, and so they are there celebrating the the Passover and, and God strikes the Egyptians and, and God removes his people, Israel, and they move out into the promised land after 40 years of wandering. And so Passover is celebrated and 50 days after Passover is Pentecost. And they are all there, they are celebrating. Remember, this is one of three festivals or one of three feasts that the Jewish males especially, man, they come from all over. And they want to experience this. This is a big celebration. It's a commemoration of what God has done and what God would do. Now, the booths, the tabernacles, you remember, that's a four-month later festival or celebration. And that's when they celebrated the 40 years. You know how God provided for them in the tabernacles and in the makeshift little tents as they made their way through Egypt, out into the promised land. So these are the big three. And this one, Pentecost, has fully come. It's interesting to me. You know, people say, well, why don't you worship on the Sabbath? Why don't you worship on Saturday like other people do? We say, well, there's two really big reasons why we don't. Number one, we, we celebrate 
This day, Sunday, is because this is the day that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. He was crucified. Three days later, he up from the grave, he arose on the first day of the week. And did you also know that it was also on a Sunday when the Holy Spirit of God came? And so it was Pentecost. This was a Sunday, the first day of the week. And so that's why we gather together in worship. The early church, they were waiting on the promise. And Jesus commanded them, and I want you to wait, tarry in Jerusalem. The Bible says in Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now let's go through verses two through four. The first supernatural occurrence was the sound from heaven. Watch this, as, as a mighty wind. It sounded like a mighty wind. You know, when people are in, hurricane, in, in tornadoes, they say, uh, you know, it sounded like a what? A freight train. Was it a freight train? No, but it sure sounded like a freight train. And they were like, man, this sounds like a mighty rushing wind. It's interesting that in both the Hebrew and in Greek, ruah in the Hebrew, pneuma in the Greek, both of those words can be translated wind or spirit. Think about Ezekiel chapter 37, when the wind of God, the breath of God, the ruah of God swept across that that valley of, of dry bones and Ezekiel sees this vision of this mighty army rising up and it has within that connotation there, the Holy Spirit of God, this mighty rushing wind. The second supernatural occurrence was tongues as of fire. Can you see the shape of this tongue resting upon uh, above their head and it's as that. I mean, Luke is trying to describe for us the supernatural. Now, when you think about fire though, it's kind of like wind. When you think of wind, you think of the spirit. When you think of fire, you think of the presence of God. And let me give you a couple of Old Testament examples. One is Exodus chapter three. There was a bush that was a burning and yet it was not consumed, and yet the voice of God comes out of this bush. So the, the, the fire has a connotation of the presence of God. Let me give you a couple more examples. Exodus chapter 13, there's a pillar of fire to guide Israel. Remember that? By night. And let me give you this one. Exodus 24, 17. The sight of the glory of the Lord. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire. Stay with me now, the presence of God, the fire of God on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of, of Israel. John the Baptist said that Jesus will come and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and what? Fire, Luke chapter three, verse 16. So the first miracle dealt with sound, the sound as of a mighty rushing wind. The second miracle dealt with sight as of fire. Now the third miracle, has to do with speech. So you've got sound, sight, and now speech. Verse four says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues, languages, dialects, so much so that the people were rejoicing and praising God. You say, well, where's the interpretation? This is not 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, folks. This is Acts chapter two. You don't need any interpretation because they hear it. They hear the word of God spoken in there. Can you imagine 
people coming from all over the world and these Galileans who, by the way, are not known for their education and their erudition and their academia. No, they're mainly known for being peasants and not very educated. And there you have these 120 and most of them are from Galilee and they're speaking and people are going, how did you know my language? I'm telling you, God's working. Sometimes God just does stuff that can only be attributed to the power of God. Don't you long for that? I do. I long for that every day in my life that something could happen in my life that could only be attributed to the power and the intervention of God. The church that amazes people is one where God visits in power and does things that can only be attributed to him. Is God doing anything in your life that is so powerful and palpable that it could only be attributed to God? A lot of times in church, you know, we can manufacture things in church. We can create songs, we can preach sermons, and, and, and we can fellowship. And, and a lot of times I, I think we just kind of go through the motions, you know, and we, and we don't really expect God to do anything great, so God doesn't do anything great. But to me, how I know a church that is really amazing is this. A church that really is amazing is the Spirit of God is so working in people's lives that they come together with such unity of purpose. And they're so excited to be there. And, and, and when they come, they, they sense the Spirit of God in the worship. And they hear the Word of God, and there's a passionate preacher of the Word of God. And they are galvanized by the Spirit of God around the purposes of God. And what are those purposes? I want to give you two. And here's how I know that you can know that you are following God, and you're Spirit-filled, and the Lord is using you. And here's two, big, here's two big ones. Number one, you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifested in your life, and that is so powerful. You, the Holy Spirit is working in you because there's a lots of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And that is, and, ooh, man, is that attractive. Oh, man, if we had a whole church just full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what, my, 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 what kind of church could we have? The second thing is this. The Holy Spirit is so working in us that we are sharing the gospel, we're leading people to Christ, and we are making disciples. So let me make sure I get this right, Pastor. You're telling me today, if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is not operative in my life, and I'm not constantly witnessing and sharing with people and making disciples, then I'm not really all that God would have me to be. That's exactly right. Thank you, you're welcome, you're dismissed. No, I'm just... no really, that's the sermon but I play an instrument in the orchestra. <laughs> okay, great. But I sing like an angel on the praise team. My, amazing. Have you seen my skills, brother, in the media? I am God's gift to the media. I can do all kinds of things. Hey, I can, I can preach. Man, I can preach. You ought to just step down sometime and let me get up there. Cause I'm I can preach the dust off the stars, brother. You just give me a chance. I'll bring heaven down to Great Hills Baptist Church. Let me just tell you something, friend. 
The fact that I know that you are walking with God and you're on your way to heaven is the Spirit of God is so on you that the fruit of the Spirit is manifested in your life and you are making a disciple who will make another disciple. That's it. And that's what you're going to see in the book of Acts. You're going to see a Spirit-filled church and they're just out discipling people and leading the nations to Christ. That's what I long for. That is a supernatural. Oh, what about all the, the sound? Man, I want to I wanna hear the sound. I want to see the cloven fire. Woo, 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 woo. I want to speak in other languages. No, no, you don't want that as much as you want to be. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is operative in your life, and you are leading people to Jesus. Trust me. That far more pleases God than any of the extravagant supernatural that you might be interested in. Because that is extravagant. And that is supernatural, a changed life. Number two is a spirit filled. Now, let's just go there. What in the world is going on? Well, a lot is going on. Luke 3, 16, I said it earlier, Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, again, I, I know what I'm about to say. Not everybody even in this room is about to agree with what I'm going to say. And that is okay. I was reading an interesting quote by a German Lutheran theologian, Rupertus Meldinius. This is what he said. In essentials, we must have unity. In non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, we must have charity. I like that. So some of you are not going to, you're not about to agree with what I'm about to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's Okay because we don't have to agree about everything, but we have to agree on the essentials, but we have to be unified under the umbrella of Christ and his love for us and walk in, in truth and walk in, in freedom and walk in, in liberty. So I believe that this is an event. Now it comes close to being replicated when then there and later on in, in Ephesus, we'll look at uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the the Gentiles and upon the Samaritans. And we're going to get there and we're going to study all of these passages in Acts, okay? But this is so unique. Jesus says, wait. He hadn't commanded any of us to wait. In fact, the Bible never commands you to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, right? But the Bible does command you and me to be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. So positionally in Christ, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. The moment we confess our faith in Jesus Christ, I believe in that one baptism, but I also believe in multiple fillings. <laughs> we're leaky vessels. Come on, help me now. We, we need the Spirit of God to fill us and anoint us. How in the world are we going to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit operative in our life, manifested in our life, if we're not daily being filled with the Spirit of God? And please pray, tell me, when's the last time you made a disciple, you poured your life into someone, and you were not filled with the Holy Spirit? It's absolutely imperative to live that kind of life that God desires for us to live. We must have Him. We must have you, Holy Spirit, living within us, pulsating through us, and, and, and so filling us so that we are empowered to live the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live. So this is Holy Spirit Pneumatology 101. One writer puts it this way, being filled with the Spirit was an experience to be repeated on several occasions, but the baptism in the Spirit which the believing community now experienced was an event that took place once and for all. Another writer says the Apostle Paul carefully defines the baptism with the Spirit as that act of Christ 
by which he places believers into his body. Romans 6, 1 Corinthians 12, Galatians 3. The purpose of the baptism with the Spirit is not to divide the body of Christ, but it's to unify the body of Christ. While there is no command in Scripture to be baptized with the Spirit, believers are commanded to be filled, end of quote, with the Spirit. Perhaps the Spirit-filled life is better seen than it is explained. Let, 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 me, let me put it to you like this. What, what is attractive to you about Christianity and about the body of Christ? Is it, is it not somebody that really resembles Jesus? Who, by the way, had he personified all the gifts of the Spirit, all the fruit of the Spirit. I'm, I'm thinking of a person in history, and I, and I want to use him as an illustration to help, because he has an amazing quote, by the way, on Acts chapter 2 and on this baptism of the Spirit. In fact, F.F. Bruce, the noted theologian, says, Charles Wesley understood and grasped better maybe than any what is happening in Acts chapter 2. So Charles Wesley, many of you know John Wesley, right? John Wesley was the founder of what denomination? The Methodist. That's right. In the 18th century, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, they were all pursuing degrees in higher education at Oxford University in the early 1700s, and they were memorizing the Greek New Testament. They were praying, and they were fasting, and they were doing all these things trying to earn God's favor. Now, by the way, that never works. By the way, I, I know, I, trust me. From 17 years of age to 19 years of age, I tried my hardest to earn God's favor, to earn His salvation, to be a good preacher, to do all the things that God would have me to do. And maybe, 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 if I died, then, then God would say, okay there, Danny, your good deeds have outdone your bad deeds, come on into heaven. I know that is a truncated, twisted, terrible theology, but it was my theology, and so it was theirs too. Until, for Charles, I think it was... It was 1738, May the 21st. He realized, he says, wait a minute. I can't earn God's salvation. I have to receive it by faith. And he did, and he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. God came into his life, radically changed him. And it wasn't long after he had been saved by God, he, had, he incarcerated himself in the local penitentiary, the local prison. You say, no, that's radical, brother. That is, that, is, that is pretty amazing. If somebody who had done nothing wrong, and by the way, Charles Wesley wrote 6,000 hymns. And some of these hymns, you, I know you know, Christmas time we sing, Hark the herald angels sing. Thank you, Charles Wesley, for that song. And here's another one. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great redeemer's praise. That's Charles Wesley. That's Charles Wesley. He incarcerates himself in a prison. You say, pray tell, why in the world would anybody do something so crazy? Because he said, God, God impressed me to go in there and to live with them for a few weeks because on the eve of their execution, they're much more likely to receive Christ. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's true. There's usually no atheists in foxholes and there's not many on the precipice of death by the state. And so he's in there and he's leading people to Christ and God has given him these songs to write. And one of them is this. Listen to this. O thou who camest from above. Sound familiar? Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. O thou who came from above, 
the pure celestial fire to impart, kindle a flame of sacred love upon the mean altar of my heart. Wow. Jesus, confirm my heart's desire to work and speak and think for Thee. Still let me guard the holy fire and stir up Thy gift, O God, in me. So the supernatural is all throughout verses 1 through 13. I would say the supernatural is all throughout the entire book of Acts. And then you have the Spirit-filled, anointed church that everybody's witnessing. Everybody seems to have the, the gifts of the Spirit and the, and the fruit of the Spirit operative and manifested in their life. And then you have the speaking. And to me, this is often something we overlook. We get so enamored with the accoutrements and the supernatural and the sounds and the sights that we miss what I think is the greatest miracle of all, and that is in verse 11, when everybody's speaking the wonderful works of God. So let me, let me do some study with you on this text, and we'll go a little bit late, but not too bad. And I want to study this with you. Okay, here we go. In verses 4, 6, 7, and 11, it refers to the church as speaking. Let me say that again. All right, ready? Verses 4, 6, 7, and 11, they are, they are speaking. One baptism in the Spirit, multiple fillings, and much daily speaking. Now again, they are speaking the wonderful works of God. This is not some ecstatic utterance of the gift of the tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. That's not that at all. This is a speaking in a totally different language. Now they did not, what do you call that, Rosetta Stone? They, they didn't have that. And they didn't, they didn't, they weren't upstairs in the upper room learning the language of the Cretes and the Arabs. And they weren't doing that because this was all a miracle of God. Such a fantastic, phenomenal miracle that when they spoke, everybody heard them. Now, who were the people who heard them? There's two different theories. Theory number one is it's the people from these different countries who have migrated out of their respective countries, and they have landed in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Other people believe that, no, those people are already, they live in Jerusalem, even though they had been scattered and diaspora and they have come back to Jerusalem, I kind of think it's still the first. I think these people have come from distant lands. Watch this. This is really cool. You have to have a map to catch this. You have to have the little geography lesson to catch this. But what Luke does is fascinating. When you look at the map of all these places and countries that he mentions, watch this. He goes north, south, east, and west. He covers the circumference of the globe. He, he even goes as far as there are people from Rome here. The first four places uh, that he mentions, he, he gives us a key word here about the word Mesopotamia. Do you see that? You got to look at this with me, verse 9. This, this word literally means between two rivers, and that would be the rivers, the Tigris, and the Euphrates. So in verse 9, when it says, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, these are the people from Mesopotamia. That would, that would be the people of located east. All right, all right, stay with me. The next listing is Judea, and that would include all the countries that David and Solomon had covered and conquered. Next, you have five countries located to the north and the northwest, Jerusalem, then Egypt, Libya, Serene, that these were located in the southwest. Then you have Rome in the northwest. <laughs> Then you've got the Cretans, the Crete, the island of Crete, which is in 
in, in, near Greece in the Aegean Sea. And then you have the Arabs or the Arabians located due south. My land, there's people everywhere. They're from everywhere. And they've come, and they've come at the opportune time, at the Feast of Pentecost, when this small band of 120 are about to erupt. And I'm telling you, God is about to do an unprecedented, amazing thing. And I, I, I got to share this with you. And I remember Roy Fish, my evangelism professor, teaching us this in seminary. And he said, if, if there is no verse 11, then there's no verse 41. And let, let, me un, un, let me share this with you, what I think he meant by that. He said in verse 11, the, the people are speaking the wonderful works of God. He said, what does that mean, Brother Danny? What, what does it mean to speak the wonderful works of God. Well, it means to share Christ. And these, this 120 band, I mean, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, you can't shut them up. They're so excited and they're, they're just telling everybody about Christ. And then Peter stands up and he preaches the word of God and all these people get saved. And Roy Fish says, and if the people of God are not out gossiping and witnessing to the gospel, then the preacher can stand up and be so excited and he can be so passionate and he can preach the best sermon in the world and nothing happens. And we know about that. We know about that. I've experienced that. I've sat where you've sat. In fact, for four years, I sat under arguably the greatest preacher in, in, our, in our day. And he would preach the most powerful anointed sermons. I'm like, dude, when I grow up, could I be a half of the guy? That guy is amazing, exegesis and pastoring and preaching and, 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 he, and come receive Christ. And it's like crickets. No, no, nobody coming for, you know, people ask me all the time. They say, pastor, you preach your heart out. You give the invitation and, and everybody says no. And I says, you're right. That's pretty much what happens. So here's my question. Or maybe you already got the syllogism. What would happen in Austin, Texas, if this band of people right here just, just the people, not the hundreds of people on vacations and spring breaks. I'm talking about just us. What if this week we went out and just told everybody we meet about how awesome Jesus is? And we shared our faith. And we told people about the Lord. And we said, will you come? And our pastor will preach the gospel. And, and then y'all you, you come back next Sunday and I, and I preach the word of God and I give the invitation. I want to tell you what will happen. It won't be crickets. It'll be a movement of God. It'll be people saved. It'll be people baptized. It'll be people being discipled. And Great Hills Baptist Church, I mean, we'll have to go into 15 worship services. See, that's, that's what's going on here in verse 11. They are speaking the wonderful gospel, the works of God. Peter's going to do his job. He's going to stand up and preach. And then 3,000 people are going to be saved. Fascinating. Verse 11, verses 7 and 11, it says... This was a church that amazed people. Existemi is the word that means astonishment and wonder. It says they marveled. That word means to be in awe and to admire. Wow. And finally in verse 12, it says, and the people responded. And this is very, very fascinating to me. We're almost done. I want you to look at this. So there are three responses to all that's happening here in the book of Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13. And there are three responses. And by the way, these responses 
are the same every time somebody preaches, every time somebody witnesses. And it's just fascinating. Three things happen. Number one, people are amazed and they stand in awe of God and they wanna be saved. They wanna receive the Holy Spirit. They wanna go and do wonderful things for God. And that's what you're gonna see in, in Acts 2, 41. Secondly, there, there are people that are perplexed or they're like, I don't know about this. I, I haven't heard this before. What? And this was a guy I talked to in the gym on Tuesday and I was sharing the gospel with him for 45 minutes. He sat next to me on a, on a bike and I'm riding this bike and he's riding that bike. And this is a guy I, 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 I care about, I've been talking to, I've been praying for and the Holy Spirit's like, hello, there he is, talk to him. And so I shared the gospel with him. And I said, where are, where are you with the gospel? Are you over here still with man and, and sin or are you on this side with God? I'll never forget what he told me. He said, I'm over here, but I'm very interested in going over here with God. I said, oh, that's awesome. So he's interested. But then you got the third category, the ukluazo people. And those are the people that say, ah, you bunch of drunks. That's what you are. You've been drinking too much wine. That's why you're speaking like that. And that's why you look like that. And they were ridiculing them, deriding them and, and just making fun of them. And that's why, come on, help me now. Somebody please help me church. That's why you will not share your faith this week. I know why. Because the devil will so intimidate you and he will so silence you because you're so fearful that if you were to share Christ, somebody might deride you, somebody may make fun of you, somebody may ask you something you don't know, so you keep your ever-loving mouth shut. And that's not good. But what if, what if the Spirit of God was so on you, you were filled with the whole, mm, 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 filled with the Spirit of God, you feared no one, but God himself, and you walked out into Austin, Texas and said, I'm going to, whoa, I'm going to open up and I'm going to let her fly. I don't care what you think about me. You can slap me in the face for all I care. Jesus Christ is my king and I'm going to bear witness to him. I tell you, y'all do that next week. Y'all come here on Sunday. It's going to look a lot different. Listen, don't do that this week. Come back next week and it'll be the same. <laughs> it'll be the same. He said, well, Brother Daniel, you, come on now, time out. Whoa, whoa, whoa Nellie, I mean, you, you don't really expect me to be like these people in the, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm preaching the same gospel that Peter preached. My word, I don't have no other gospel. I don't, I don't have no magic trick. I don't have no Mercedes to pull in and preach a, a cool, whoo, cool cool sermon out of a Mercedes Benz. I have the gospel of Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ died on a cross. Listen to me, friend. Hold on just a second. He was buried. The, come on, brother. Help me. Thank you. On the third day, he arose from the dead. That radically changed my life. I'm not over that. I will never get over that. And I'm telling you, church of the living God, when you really get saved and Jesus Christ changes you, you are forever changed and you're no longer ashamed. I don't want y'all to feel left out over here. You're not ashamed. You go out and you preach, you teach the gospel. Just so that you're not left out. There, there you go. 
Now that's, that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. That is a church that is amazing. Preach the gospel. People are saved. I thought I was in shape. I must not be. (laughs) All I've got, church. All I have is the gospel. It's the gospel. And you meet him and changed. I so remember, have you forgotten? So I've been saved, Brother Danny, for so many years. I don't really remember. I remember. I remember. I remember the, I remember the lostness. And I remember what that felt like. I was so trying so hard. And finally, Jesus said, you can't do it. Let me do it. And he saved me. He changed me. And I've been preaching ever since. And you say, was that why you get so excited? Yes, that's why I get so excited, because I know I was going to hell by way of the church. And God in his mercy redeemed me, and and he will not let me lose this passion. He will not let me lose this fire. That's why we're going to have the invitation. We, we can sing a song and everybody, oh, well, I was different. He got on the pew. I was different. I hadn't seen that before. Okay, well, so what? We're, let's go to Nukes and get us a sandwich. Amen. Okay. So, and we'll, we'll come back. But what if, what if Spirit of the living God came? I know He comes and it's manifested in the fruit in your life and the words that you speak. If you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment, I want to I appeal to you. I want to make an, a, a godly appeal to you. I know this world is heading to hell in a handbasket. There ain't no politician. There is no, there's nobody that can save us except Jesus. And if you don't know him today, my prayer for you today is this. You would surrender to the Lordship of Christ and be born again by the Spirit of God. I'm, I'm talking about really get a good dose of salvation so that you're changed. Your eternal destiny, your address is now changed because the Spirit of God came into you, baptized you, positioned you in Christ, and now you're on your way to heaven. Has that happened to you? And some of you say, yes, it has. Praise God. Others of you, it hasn't. It has not happened. That's why you have no desire to witness. Because the Holy Spirit does not live in you. Oh, it's been 35 years since I told anybody about Jesus. You you probably don't even know Jesus. Follow me, he said, and I will make you a fisher of men. So why don't we just, why don't we do this? Why don't we say, come to Christ, be born again by the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I do know the Lord and that, and I just keep walking at a guilty distance. I know the fruit is not operative in my life like it should be. I know I miss and I pass up on so many opportunities, but here's the problem, brother Danny. I know better. I know better. Oh, friend, that is the, that is a beautiful confession. 
Lord, I'm sorry. Help me this day, dear God. Help me this week to so live an attractive, spirit-baptized, spirit-filled life that, Lord, I, I'm changed. I'm changed by what I, what I do, and I'm, and I'm changed in what I say. And, and I, I take opportunity to share the gospel with someone this week. Oh, friend, I am praying that for you. Do we really want to be a church that is amazing? That's, am I mean, no, amazing. That experiences the supernatural. The Spirit of God is, is prominent and powerful, and we speak. Oh, Jesus, would you do it, Lord? Would you do it in spite of me? Would you do it, God, for your glory and for your fame and for your name? Lord, I, I don't have to continue. Lord, I don't have to keep on, but Lord, this church does. So I'm praying that God, you would move. Lord, move in power. Move in such a way, dear God, that our complacency and our disgruntledness and our anger is forever melted under the fervent heat of the Spirit of God. That's, that's my earnest prayer, oh God. And again, Lord, I am so dispensable but this church is not. So, oh God, work and move and cause a mighty revival, God, to erupt among us. And so that it changes, Jesus. I'm praying to you, Jesus, with all that is within me. One of our core values, Christ, is that we wanna be a fervently praying kind of church. And so I'm fervently praying for us, God, that we would jettison our lackadaisical passivity, for the gospel. And Lord, you would replace it with a holy unction, fire of God, so that, Lord, we are changed. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. And I pray it with all of my heart. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have the invitation. And before we sing, I do want to say if If you need to leave, you, you just go ahead and leave. If you need to go get your children, go ahead and get your children. If you say, well, I'm just so hungry, Brother Danny, I, I just, I don't know that I can handle it. You know, my, my bacon and my waffles are gone and it's, it's past 12 o'clock and I just, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I got to go eat. God bless you. Go in peace. But I do pray that we could just linger for a moment and sing these songs and just give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Some of you know, really, you need to respond for the very first time. Your heart is cold, and it needs to be warmed by the fire of the Spirit. And some of you are looking at me like, whatever you got, I don't want that. That scared me, brother. You jumping over pews, and that's Pentecostal and stuff. I'd, but listen, I like what uh, D.L. Moody said one time. People came up to him, and they said, we don't, we don't rightly agree with or like the way you're sharing with people and talking to people about Jesus. He said, I like the way I'm doing it better than the way you're not doing it. Well, what if? Man, how, how much longer, how much longer do we have on this earth? How much longer do I have on this earth? I, I was witnessing to a friend of mine, another friend at the gym and and I shared with him and I said, I said, I want to go to heaven tired. 
And he said, I don't doubt that you will. You, you, you're pretty fired up. You're going to go. And listen, church, I want the whole church to be so in love with Jesus, so passionate, so talking about him, that when we go to heaven, we were like, Lord, I gave it my best. God, my, I laid it all on the court. I'm going to have nothing left. I'm already prayed, but I'm going to pray one more time. Again, if you're offended, you need to leave. You're just overly hungry. You're overly exerted. This is too much for you. Then <clears throat> you can leave. I'm, I'm just going to keep praying. We'll have our invitation eventually, and then we'll go home. Father, I'm going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you again, God, who is here today? Holy Spirit, I wish you would just put a tongue of fire over their head and point them out. And they would say, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. You need to be born again. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You need an anointing from God. Lord, would you grant it to us even now during this invitation? And Jesus, I am praying. I'm praying, Lord, for salvation. I pray, God, that our decision counselors and our deacons and our pastors would be, would be busy today and next Sunday and the following weeks because the Holy Spirit has come. You can't revive that which has not been vived. And so first there would be a vive and a vibe and a Holy Spirit genuine conversion where people are born again. No, I'm saying really born again by the Spirit of God that He so changes us and radically works in our lives so that we lay aside our complacent Christianity, we lay aside our hypocrisy, we lay aside our pornography, we lay aside our addiction, we lay aside our drunkenness, we lay aside our, our, our sexual immorality. No, God, do we really, really are pursuing you in, in purity, Lord, and in righteousness. And Lord, this is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So I want us to sing. If there's any, I haven't opened my eyes in about 10 minutes. I'm a little afraid to because I think there may not be anybody out here after all of this. But we're going to sing our invitation. I invite you to come. Corey, why don't you lead us? I'm going to pray and y'all sing.